0: come to you now for a time of feasting on your word. And our prayer is that you would take um, the words on these pages that are living and active and that you would ignite them by the power of your spirit in our souls so that we find a greater joy in you today, a deeper love for you and one another today. That we would encounter you afresh and anew. That you would awaken our souls through your word and your spirit. Awaken us, alive in us, I pray. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. All right. We are in First Thessalonians. So if you want to open in your Bible... We have turned the corner into chapter four. Huh? Am I right? Is it four? I hope so. I prepared from chapter four, so (laughs) sorry, everybody. Alright, so we are in First Thessalonians. We're going to look at chapter 4. We're actually going to start reading. I'm going to start reading at the end of chapter 3, so if you want to get there. We've been talking about how this book is about living with Jesus while waiting for Jesus. Jesus is coming back. He will return. And this book is about what do we do? How do we walk? How do we live while we're waiting for him and his return? And this morning, specifically, the verses we're going to look at are about walking in love with each other while we wait for Jesus' return. So how do we love each other? How do we walk in love with other believers, with each other, while we wait for Jesus? That's what this passage is about. So I'm going to read. I'm actually going to read it, and I'm going to skip one little section. I'll explain why, and then, um, and then we'll jump right into this whole topic of love. Love this morning. So the benediction at the end of chapter 11, I'm sorry, the end of verse, beginning of verse 11 in chapter 3 says this. Now may our God and Father himself and our Lord Jesus direct our way to you. And may the Lord make you increase and abound in love for one another and for all, as we do for you, so that he may establish your hearts blameless in holiness before our God and Father at the coming of our Lord Jesus With all his saints. Finally, then, brothers, we ask and urge you in the Lord Jesus that as you receive from us how you ought to walk and to please God, just as you are doing, that you do so more and more. For you know what instructions we gave you through the Lord Jesus, for this is the will of God, your sanctification. Now, last week, we picked up right there and finished down through verse 8 where he talked about our sanctification in the area of our sexual holiness. Now, we're going to go down to verse 9 and pick up where we did not get to last week. Now, concerning brotherly love, so connect the dot between verse 3, for this is the will of God, your sanctification. Now, he's going to talk about your sanctification in the area of love. Now, concerning brotherly love, you have no need for anyone to write to you For you yourselves have been taught by God to love one another. For that indeed is what you are doing to all the brothers throughout Macedonia. But we urge you, brothers, to do this more and more. This is the word of the Lord. Praise be to God for his word this morning. So these verses are all about love. And as I was preparing, I was thinking, you know, we're Christians. Isn't Christianity all about love? Like, what do I have to say about love to to us this morning? And we all know that we're supposed to love one another, and we're supposed to love God. So I think it's good to take a moment just to consider the significance of love. I was just thinking about, like, our daily lives and the significance of love. I think about almost every TV show or movie or Netflix, don't they all revolve around some sort of love relationship? somebody loving something, and you turn on the radio, if we do that anymore, I guess we don't. If you did. Every song, almost, has something to do with love, does it not? It's expressed in different ways, trucks and blue jeans and beer, but it's still often an expression of love, a desire for love, wanting love, love gone wrong. Right? It's around us everywhere. And love can have, or lack of love, can have tragic effects on people. I mean, a divorce often is just the lack of love within a couple. Uh, families really can be destroyed by it. Where kids now, because of divorce, end up in, in two different homes on different weekends, bouncing back and forth. Kids will run away from home because they don't feel loved. I mean, think about some of your family holidays that are coming up, right? They may not be very much fun because you just can't love each other. Violence is the absence of love. Stealing really is the lack of love. Road rage. People do awful things really to themselves and to others because of a lack of love. People join churches because they feel loved. People leave churches because they don't feel loved. People split churches because they just can't love each other. Even this afternoon as you turn on football, if you do, you will see the slogan, choose love. So even our culture recognizes the importance of love. Now, I know all those things I just mentioned, that there's many more layers than just we don't love each other. There's more going on there. But I wonder what a difference it would make in our lives and in our culture if humans just genuinely loved one another. And I think that's why it's so significant in God's word and so significant here in this passage. It is a big deal. Love is a big deal. And I love it that we work our way through books of the Bible because it forces us to have topics like this that I might just say, of course we love each other and wouldn't make a big deal about. But I think God is making a big deal about it here and he wants us to make a big deal about it. And he's really here, you catch the phrase, he's asking us and urging us to love one another. And he's going to tell us, I'm just going to point out two things from this passage this morning. It's going to be a little on the shorter side, but just two things about God and love and what God does with love. To help us. I want to encourage you this morning. I mean, there's no hidden secret. I want us to leave here eager to love each other more. That's it. I want us to leave here going, I want to love more people, and I want to love you more. I want to love you better. So that's the goal, okay? So here's, here we go. The first thing that we learn here, that we see here, is that God teaches love. God teaches them love. I mean, you look at verse 9. He says, now concerning brotherly love, You have no need for anyone to write to you, for you yourselves have been taught by God to love one another. Remember, Paul was only with them for three or four weeks, and then he split. So they got three or four weeks of sermons. Obviously, he never got around to you need to love each other. But then he gets a report back that on their own, without anybody teaching them, surprise, they're loving each other. And he goes, wow, you don't need to be taught that. You, you caught that. God taught you that. And so when I, when I read that, it raises the question in my mind, how did God teach them that? How did God do that? And so when we have a question in God's word, what do we do? Good, we go to the scripture around it. So let's look at the scripture around it and tell me if you can see where maybe one of the ways or one of the places that they learned what love is. How did God teach them? Okay, where do you see that? Okay, so you backed up to two. Good. In the Lord Jesus. Don't back up quite as far. Perfect. Excellent. He gives the Holy Spirit to you. What is one of the fruits of the Spirit? Love. So I think the Spirit of God being in them automatically gave them a genuine love for one another. The love was there. I think we're meant to read verse 8 and linger there and let it tr- transform our minds as we go into chap- into verse 9. The spirit of God is in you. I wish I could like stand on my head and break dance or something to get you like the spirit of God is in you. God himself dwells in you and because of that there's love in you. You have God's love in you because of that. And then he gives us another clue, I think. You've got to back up further. So if you want to go back to chapter 1, kind of in his intro part, I think he's kind of setting up the outline for the book. And so in chapter 1, verse 4, look at what he says. He says, For we know, brothers, loved by God, that he has chosen you because our gospel came to you not only in word but also in power— and in the Holy Spirit. So God, it looks like, taught them love by loving them. And how is his love expressed? By choosing them and through the gospel. And so you've got the gospel, and then what is the gospel met with in that verse? The Holy Spirit. So you've got The gospel and the Holy Spirit. You got spirit and truth, word and power. We need both in our lives. We know love by the gospel and by the Holy Spirit. And when you were born again, the gospel of God and the spirit of God exploded into your heart, giving you new life and opening your eyes to see the love that is found in the gospel. And that's how they were taught it. That's how you were taught it. The spirit of God in you, bringing the gospel to life in them. God taught them love really by showing them the gospel in the power of the Spirit. And so this is nothing new, right? I mean, we could probably go around the room and I could say, everybody find one verse that connects the gospel and love. I bet you there's some coming to mind right now because they're everywhere. They're everywhere. So here's just a few. You guys know Romans 5, 8. God shows his love for us in this. While we were still sinners... Christ died for us. While you were still sinning, this is love. You're still sinning. You're rebelling. And what does God do? He sends Christ who dies for you. There's love. You want me to be taught love? There, there's an example. There, there is love for you to look at. That's how you get taught love. John three sixteen. We all know that one, right? For God so loved the world. The, the so there is not the so much. It's not like God loved you so much. It's God loved you in this way. For God so loved the world this way. Here's how he did it. How did he do it? For God so loved the world that he gave his only son, that whoever believes in him, you don't perish. You have everlasting life. And so that's love. Love, I think then, if I just take those two verses, love involves, involves dying, right? Christ died for us while we were sinners. And it involves giving. God said the word that he gave his only son. So it involves dying. It involves giving. And it's almost impossible to not go to 1 John 4 to talk about love. If you want to learn more about love this week, read 1 John. It's just love. It's all about love and how love functions in our lives. But in chapter 4, I mean, it's just, it's beautiful. It connects our love for one another with God's love for us. So it's going to go on the screen here. 1 John 4 says this, beginning of verse 7. So go back to 1 Thessalonians as you're hearing this. Beloved. Let us love one another. So there it is. So there's the call. We're supposed to love each other. For love is from God. So love comes from God. And whoever loves has been born of God and knows God. So if you have a genuine, born-again, spirit-empowered love for other people, it's proof that you've been born of God and that you know God. And then he clarifies it. He flips it in verse 8. Anyone who does not love does not know God. So if you're not loving, it's proof that you really don't know God, that you're not walking with God because he says God is love. Okay, so that changes things. It's just not that love comes from God. It's that love is God. God is love. It that means that's an attribute that God carries with him everywhere into every circumstance all the time. So every other attribute of God is informed, infected by God being loving, that he is love. And so then he goes on to say this in verse 9. In this, the love of God was made manifest. Here's how you see what love is. That God sent his only son into the world so that we might live through him. Does that make logical sense? If I'm love and I want you to see love, then I've got to manifest myself in your presence so you can see love. Does that make sense? So, of course, if God is love and you're going to see what love is, You've got to see God. So what does God do? He shows up, right? He shows up. He puts on human flesh and he shows up on earth so that you and I can see what love really is. He manifests his love. And then in verse 10, and this is love, not that we have loved God, but that he loved us and, again, sent his son to be the propitiation for our sins, in this is love, not how much you love God, but that he loved you and sent Christ to take away all God's wrath. Oh, if we could just get a tiny glimpse at the wrath of God. I mean, maybe we see it in Genesis in the flood. Maybe we see it when the earth opens up and people are swallowed in Exodus. There's a few places we get a glimpse of it. God's wrath is terrifying and we're all deserving of it. And yet Christ is sent to show us God's love by diverting God's wrath from you. And then he ends it with this. Beloved, if God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. So if you notice, verse 4 and verse 11, both bookend this. What's the goal? Love one another. So we're taught, I think, by God to love each other by God revealing his love for us through Jesus and the gospel. And I was just thinking this morning, isn't it amazing that God created humans with the capacity to love? He didn't have to do that, right? But he did. He created us with this capacity to to want to be loved and to receive love, and with the desire to express love For things and express love for people and express love towards people. I don't think anything else in creation does that quite like us. But yet God created you in his image. And one of the ways you image him is by loving people and loving God. You're an image bearer that way. So you're you're manifesting in a different way, but you're manifesting the love of God when you love other people the way that Christ loved us as his bride. And so I want to ask and urge you this morning to know the love of God by knowing God. (laughs) Let God teach you the love of God by feeding your soul the gospel. I don't know if you have a habit of doing that when you're on the school bus heading to school in the morning, when you're brushing your teeth, when you're eating breakfast, when you're getting ready for bed. At some point in the day, rehearse the gospel. Run it through your mind. Run it through your soul. Take in the love of God through the gospel of God. Let your heart be enlarged with that. Listen, if we're going to love one another, then your vision and experience of the love of God has to be enlarged. You get that? That's it. It's not super complicated. You know God, you know love. The more you know God, the more you love. The more you drink in God, the more that you will love. So if you're lacking love, the answer is not just love harder. It's not think about good things about that person. It's go to God and ask God to show you how magnificent and never-ending his love for you is in the gospel. And then, as we do, we should know that God is, will teach us to love one another. Point number two. God wants that love that you have for one another to grow. That's all he tells them. He's like, you already got it. You're loving each other. Now I want that love to grow. I want it to grow. So look at verse 10. Here's what he says. For that indeed is what you are doing to all the brothers throughout Macedonia, But we urge you, brothers, to do this more and more. God wants, whatever your, whatever status, I can't put a little gauge on you. Oh, you're 60% love. You're 30, whatever it is. (laughs) What he's saying is, I want it to grow more. And he, he distinguishes two different ways. One is, I want it to grow more, meaning I want it to grow to more people. I want you to broaden the amount of people you're loving. And I want you to broaden the depth of your love. I want your love for others to be deepened, to be deeper. And so let's just look at those really quick. The the two ways he grows their love, he does it in breath. He says that they uh, reached out and loved people in Macedonia. So they were loving people. Perhaps these are people they never met before, um, and they were giving gifts because they were doing well financially. And so they were giving gifts to the church in Philippi, maybe the church in Berea. Or maybe they made the journey, some of the believers there, and hung out with Christians in other places. But the point is that their love was expanding. They were loving more and more people. We don't know exactly which way it is, but the point is that there was a love that was expanding. Now, I don't know how you think about your relational capacity. I know that some of you are able to carry 35, 40 friends at one time and keep up with them all, and it's wonderful. For others, it's if I have two friends, I'm doing good because I can barely keep up with that. I think the point here is to challenge us, to urge you, to ask you, are there people that God is bringing into your life that you currently wouldn't put into your I'm going to really love them category that maybe God wants you to put into I really want to love them category? Have you thought about that? And we believe in the sovereignty of God. There's no coincidences So whatever the people are that God's bringing into your life, he's doing it for a reason. And maybe one of the reasons is he wants you to scoop them in and make them part of that category of, I think I need to love this person more than I have in the past. So that means for you, going from 35 people to 36, or from two to three, it's still growing. And I think that's what he's getting at. And I think that's relevant to this, right? When we get together like this, because it's easy for us to focus in on the people we love the most or we know the most, and I think there's times where it's very intentional. we have to be intentional and say, you know what, I'm going to try to talk to people I don't know that well. I'm going to try to love them even though they don't fit into that tighter group of people I'm seeking to love. So I'm grateful for you guys that greet at the door. I think it's just a silly, simple way, really, just to greet people. Say hi. Make them feel welcome. you making people maybe that are on the outside who've never been here feel like they're on the inside. That's an important thing. That's why we do what we do when we stand up and greet one another, right? I know that's horrible for some of you. That's like the worst moment of your entire life. You're like, i, I got to go to the bathroom. The minute the announcements are almost over, it's poo to the men's room, right? Or, and I get that, because we're all cut out different. But I, that time is really designed for us to meet people we wouldn't meet otherwise. So I, I think it's a way to do that. I think it's a way to I urge you and ask you to consider if that's a way that we should be uh, growing in the people, in the amount of people, or the different people that God wants us to love. So he shares that one. Then he, then he shares a depth of love in verse 10. He says, but I urge you to do this, brothers, more and more. He says, you're loving one another, now do it more and more. He urges them to love more. Now, verse 9 uses the word love twice, which I kind of find interesting. I know sometimes I hear people make too big of a deal, I think, sometimes about, oh, it's agape love or whatever. But here, they use two, he uses two different words. And I'm, I'm kind of wondering if he did that on purpose to make a point. So the first word is the word Philadelphia. Boo, is the word Philadelphia, which is the word for family love. It's a, it's a love that binds people deeply together. And the second word is agape. It's a, it's a, it's a deep, dear, uh, compassionate, affectionate kind of love. So it's almost like he's saying to them, I want you to grow more and more in both, in, in the deep bonding love of a family and in this uh, love that's uh, deep and uh, passionate for one another. I think that's what he's getting at, a welcoming of each other. And so, just to make the point, I'm actually going to do something I thought I would never do in my entire life. I am. I am. So, I grew up a Jets fan, but the Jets were so bad that we turned into Cowboy fans, which in either case, you hate that team right there. And how they named Philadelphia Philadelphia, the city of brotherly love, I don't ever get because I've been there and it ain't that. I am doing this out of love for you so that you will forever remember this day that we talked about loving one another. Philadelphia. May we grow in love for one another. See, God's plan, really his desire, is that his love would be made manifest through us as we love each other. And so I ask, if if I'm going to do that, I'm going to show God's love to you, then I need to be clear on what God's love is like. And so it's good to tease this out a little bit. So I want you to think for a minute. If I said, give me some of the nuances of what God's love is like. Give me a little bit of the, the details. Break it down for me. What is, what is the love of Christ in the gospel like? How would you describe it? Think for a minute. If you want to shout something out, you can. Just want you, I want us to be thinking. Okay, it certainly is sacrifice. So love, if I'm going to love you in a way that shows the world what Christ's love is like, there's going to be some element of sacrifice pursuing. Uh, who pursued who? I didn't pursue God. God pursued me. So I think if I'm going to show, manifest the love of Christ to you, there's gonna be a sense in which I will be on the pursuit of people. You'll be on the pursuit. You'll be, you'll be going after people. What else do we know about his love in the gospel? What's it say? Excellent. So what does that say about our relationships? If, I'm, if my relationship is going to look like that, then what should, what, at what point should I stop loving you? No point, right? That's the love I'm going after. If that's the love that I'm experiencing from God, then that's the love that I should be making manifest to each other. Good. So God saw our need. That was love. He then went and met our need. That was love. I think there's a way that we could say gospel love looks like us recognizing when somebody has a need and then meeting that need when we're able to meet that need. It's a relational love. I mean, he, he did it to reconcile us to God, right? He did it absorbing anger from the Father for us. That means if I'm going to love you the way that Jesus loves me, I will absorb your anger if that happens, and still love you anyway. I don't want to to water down God's love or the gospel love, but it's a kind love. It's a compassionate love. Think about how patient God is in the gospel. It's enduring. It's even God being known. He sends Christ to show us his love, and as a result, we we get to know God. So if I'm going to, emulate that, then there's ways I should be letting you know who I am and what I am like as a way of loving you. I asked a bunch of members this past week uh, how they would describe deep, genuine Philadelphia-type love, and here's some of the things they said. They said, letting down our guard and sharing our personal hurts and doubts and struggles and joys. It's about being known so for me, to, for me to love you, you need to know me. And for you to love me, we need to know each other, really know each other, like really. Like what's really going on? Cut the fluff. What's happening? Like that kind of conversation. They talked about being real, being humble. They talked about listening to people, being a listener to people's pain and long-suffer with them, and then remembering to follow up, right? If somebody shares their heart with you, their trash with you, their life with you, follow up. Again, be in pursuit like God is of us. We talk about sacrificing time. They mentioned this, sacrificing time to make other people a priority. I don't know how you are. Everybody's different. I've got my list, projects and people, and I can often choose one over the other, and it ain't people. People. Projects can become all-consuming. I don't know about you, but how do you you value people? I remember somebody shared a story a few weeks ago about a situation where they had all these projects planned, and then a neighbor swung by and was there most of the day. And this person just shared very humbly and honestly about the challenges of that and what God was doing in their heart the whole time and the struggle that was there, but how God used that. It's a sacrifice. Love is often a sacrifice. I mean, basically, in some some of these, you boil it down to it's just putting other people before yourself. I mean, that's love. It's, it's you first, me second. That, that's love and being a genuine friend for them. And so I just want to say this. We've been together for 10 years, and I see you doing this. I see you doing it. I, I know this is beautiful. There's no correction this morning. It's not like, yeah, okay, you guys all suck at this, so let's get our act together. It's, I think we're good at this. I feel like we do love each other. And so the urging is just just don't kick it into neutral. Love each other more and more. Give time to this. Give thought to this. How can I love the people in this room, the people in my life, the believers, particularly? Next week, we're going to talk about uh, people who aren't part of the body yet, aren't part of the family. But for people who are part of the family, how can you give them, how can you show them brotherly love more and more and more? What does that look like? What does it look like to grow in that way? And so I was thinking about all this. I'm going to kind of close with this. It's a little bit of a tangent, but it's right here in 1 in, uh, Thessalonians. And that is this. As I was thinking through this whole thing, uh, what stops me from loving people? When do I fail loving people? What's going on in my heart when that happens? It became very clear very quickly that it's connected to faith, that my love for people is often connected to my faith in God. So I think a growing faith is the key to growing love. Growing faith is the key to growing love. And I say that because chapter 3, we talked about it last week, five times, he talks about faith, 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 faith. So don't disconnect it. It's about faith, and this is about our faith lived out. What does it look like when our faith is in action, when our faith is functioning and strengthening our very lives? And so I think that's what this is about. And then the benediction. I mean, remember, benedictions are for building your faith. That's the point. May God do this in you. And what does he say he wants God to do in them? Uh, Make you increase and abound in love for one another. So he's like, come on. May God do this in us. May God help us to love one another more and more and more, which is a faith issue because it's connected to the benediction, which is to build your faith. So I think there's this great connection in God's design by God that faith building is a piece of the puzzle for love growing. They work together. And so let me just see if I can illustrate this a couple of different ways and then we'll close. Let me just share, let me let let you know me. And my ugly sides. So uh, this week, huh? You already do. Is that what you said? No, okay. okay. <laughs> 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 All right. I thought you <laughs> said. So uh, there was a day this week. It was a Wednesday or Thursday where I just, I just had a bad attitude, um, tired, um, uh, discouraged, um, just too much to do. Couldn't get it done. Just bad. And I was taking that out on somebody else in my home that's there all the time who tends to endure my sin. (laughs) And at one point in the day, Elspeth just looked at me and said, you know that the way you're talking to me so unkind is hurtful. That's all she said, graciously walked away. And so I began to wrestle with, I know that's true. I know I've been talking that way. And in my mind, then you start to have this little war I don't know if you've had this happen. It's, I have so much to do, and I'm not getting any of it done, and I'm not gifted to get all this stuff done. I don't have the capacity to get this stuff done, and I am just, I am finished. I can't do anymore. And then I realized, so this is great. I'm supposed to be pastoring people, and here I am functionally. I'm an atheist in this moment because you noticed who's absent from all of that, right? Right? I've got too much to do. I don't have the capacity to get it done. Um, I'm undergifted. There's too many things. There's no God in that. But actually, there is a God in that. Right? I'm the God in that. It's all about me. There's no faith. So, my lack of faith in what God wanted to do that day did what to my love for her? It ruined it. Do you see the connection? There's a connection there. So so it should make you think. It should make us think, okay, then what promise of God or what things about who Jesus is, what he's done, what he is doing, or what he will do would build my faith for that list of things so that I would be at peace and then be able to love other people. I mean, you guys know this. When you're bent out of shape and your day stinks, do you love anybody? (laughs) I don't. If I do, it's false. (laughs) I'm not saying that's bad. Faking love sometimes is good rather than being a jerk, but let's not, let's not go there. Let's go down the road of what do I do to correct that? What do I, what do I, what is true? And so there's promises about God. So my encouragement to you is when you're struggling to love people or sinning against people like I was doing, ask yourself, okay, how is this connected to my faith in God? If I would believe this about God, For example, I made a list of things that I thought would be helpful for me of who Jesus is. He's the shepherd, the good shepherd of Christ's church, not me. He's sovereign on his throne, ruling over the universe, this church, and me. He gave me the to-do list. What has he done? Well, he shed his blood for his bride, the church. That's pretty significant to my to-do list. What is Jesus doing now? Well, he said pretty clearly, I will build my church. That I is not me. <laughs> that I is God. He's sitting on his throne night right now, waiting for me to come to him because it's a throne of mercy and grace to help me in my time of need, right? And what will he do? Well, I already know he is sanctifying us, and I know that he's going to return for his bride, and he going to provide for us as a church everything we need, whether I get it done on my to-do list or not. But my faith shifts to God and believing that he is all those things. And I have promises that go with those too. Suddenly there's faith in God that releases me then to love people the way that God has called us to love or me to love. So there's examples, dozens of them that I thought of this week. I mean, I think about God calls us to be generous with people as a way of loving them. Well, if I'm anxious over my money and not trusting God with my finances and my future, then I'm going to withhold generosity. I'm going to withhold loving you by being generous. You see how it's connected to faith? I mean, Maybe kids in this room, you can relate to this, or, or teenagers, you can relate to. Parents wanting you to do something that you don't want to do. And you can respond in an unloving way. And instead of believing that God gave you your parents and that they're good and they're trying to take care of you. So there's all these links to faith, believing who God is, believing God's promises that then release us, I think, to love people the way that God has called us to love. So, love one another like you have been doing and do it more and more. And so I have two questions this morning for you to consider for a minute. Is there someone, so this is related to the God broadening your circle of friends, is there someone God has brought into your life that he wants you to intentionally love, maybe for the first time? Does that make sense? Question, I know it's maybe not worded the best, but is there somebody like that? You're like, yep, I think God has brought this person into my life. If I would just sacrifice a little bit of time, I would be able to love them in a way that God would want me to love them. And then second, is there a way God wants me to love another brother or sister more? Is there a way to do that? Okay, So just take a minute. I'd love for you to just consider those two questions, and then we're going to end by focusing on God's love for us as a way of fueling us to want to love other people. Okay, And out of love for you not to be a stumbling block, I'm going to take off this shirt. <laughs> so let's just take a minute. Consider those two questions, please. And